You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is Twisted Perspectives with Henry Stober. Glad some people are here. The others are joining in shortly. Twisted Perspectives. What does it really mean? It's an upside-down thing, isn't it? It's uh, probably looking into the wrong direction. Or whatever the interpretation is, it fits perfectly to my situation in my life. And I had a dream, and so had God. I just called it out because it is a presentation that I've never, ever done before. Brand new. Just finished around lunch. I was asked, could you tell us a little bit about your life? Now, <laughs> I'm not the youngest anymore. How do you put all that stuff together? But when I did, it was a blessing. Thinking about all the different situations in my life, and I thought, well, that's worth to share. Ask a question here. Any of you ever had a dream of a certain country? Like something you imagined would be absolutely wonderful to go there and even live there. Have you? Countries such as? New Zealand. Oh, right. Israel. Okay. Yeah, there's beautiful places out there. I had such a dream, and it was Australia. And the story goes that my uncle came back after 20 years of living in Australia and Papua New Guinea. And I was a little boy, in the age of four. And he took me in his laps and he started speaking about these wonderful experiences he had. And they were tremendous to the ears of a young boy. And I couldn't believe what he was telling me. And inside I felt, one day I want to go there. I want to see that myself. I want to experience all that that my uncle had. And the time came and I did go to Australia. And what I saw was so amazing, overwhelming, that I thought, ah, more and more I'm yearning to go back there. And I did, I did, 16 times more than 60 months of traveling. And at the end of that period, I thought, that is it. I'm not going to come back anymore. I will stay here. <laughs> what a country it is. Beautiful, 7.5 million square kilometers. And early in the morning, you see the rise of the sun on Uluru, the so-called mountain of the Aboriginal people in Central Australia. And when you go there, you feel something astonishing. And the landscape, and I love the outback. It has always been a place that I wanted to go. It was my dream. It was something that I thought would become reality. But then the vision expanded. Well, what I mean by that? Years passed. I have not been to Australia yet. Grown up in the age of four, five, six. And before I actually went to Australia, I got that invitation from friends of mine saying, would you like to come along? I say, where? We're going to cross the Sahara. The Sahara? How are you going to do that? Well, we, we buy an old car and we try to manage that. An old car to cross the Sahara. Right, okay, why not? And so I joined in. And we went, and it was absolutely amazing, 10,000 kilometers of a very heavy track. I almost lost my life. What I, did, what I did lose was about 10 kilograms. I came back pretty flat. Someone could see my six-pack I had in the age of 21. 
long time ago. Anyhow, it was an amazing experience to travel through there. And I thought, why? The world is beautiful, the way God creates it. I'm coming from a Christian home, and my parents always taught me about the Creator God, and whatever I saw out there confirmed His majestic work. I wanted to be part of it. But I had my dream, and it, maybe it wasn't God's dream at all. Coming to the West, after crossing the Sahara, I came to a place called Benin. And the people I met there and the children, it was all very, very nice and very exotic. I've never seen things like that before. And I thought, wow, another beautiful place, much different, much different than the Sahara itself. And then I learned about other gods. Now the God I believed in created heaven and earth in six days, and, and he rested on the Sabbath day. It's something that was grabbable. It, scripture came alive to me. But when I met these cultures... Now, these are altars, and you see creatures that have been slaughtered and put on top. People aggressively reacted on my photography. They don't want their gods to be captured. And I learned about that we are living in a diverse world. And if you go throughout Africa, you'll see that almost everywhere. There are tendencies of worshiping other gods, no matter where they come from. And the real gods seem to be far, far away. At the end of the trip, and it, I call it the desire to live, at the end of the trip, really, I, I felt very uncomfortable. And it was a Tuesday night. I was in my bed laying there, and I felt something's wrong with my body. I started becoming headache, and it started shaking, it went worse and worse and worse and worse. And I was on my bed laying there, totally uncontrolled of what's happening to my body, and it jumped up and down this very shaggy bed I had, and I thought, that is it. The fever went up to like 42 degrees. Everyone surrounding me tried to help me, but it seemed to be impossible. And at that very moment, it reminded me that my parents taught me to pray. Sometimes situations that have to happen before you actually think about God. And I folded my hands and said, Lord, if you really exist, if you do exist, you must help me now. And still my body was jumping up and down on that bed. And I knew that was the very last moments of my life. And I said, God, if you really exist, you must help me now. Because in a few minutes it's going to be too late. Believe it or not. Before I said, Amen, I was as healthy as I'm here right now. Can you believe it? Honestly. No more shaking whatsoever. I it was gone, just instantly gone. And I said, what a powerful God I'm serving. I want to honor Him. I want to do everything in my power to present my love and the talents that may be there to give Him to the Lord. And my desire to live became new. And I said, that is it. But... There was an encounter. I came back from Africa, lived my life, and eventually, at the very year the Berlin Wall fell, I finished my apprenticeship, everything, my studies, the music, and so on, and I went and took a flight to Australia. Finally, here I am. Went down to Melbourne in the south, took a bus up to the north, 
And for some reason, I stopped in a place called north of Brisbane. And I went out the bus. I don't know why, but there I was, and I went to church the next day. In church, it was in 1989, I met a few people, among them one family from Germany. They have just escaped from Africa coming to Australia because of the political situation. And they, they talked to me in German, which I really loved after about six weeks traveling. And I said, well, what are you doing here? And they told me a little bit about their problems. And I said, that's fine. And someone gave me an apartment and another German. And he said, you can stay here as long as you want for free. Oh, wonderful. As a young boy, you know, quite interesting. Have all your freedom. And that's what I did. Moved in on a Sabbath night. And Sunday I was sitting there reading the great controversy when I heard that voice through the window. Australia is quite hot a place. And she said, Henry. I said, oh. You are. Okay. Would you like to come to join us? That was the family I met on the day before. And I said, whoa, I got all my freedom here. Why should I join? But I knew they had four kids. And I said, well, if she start cooking every day for those kids, they may have some leftovers for me. I better join in. I get my daily food. And I did. I joined this family for four weeks. And during some time later, the guy started speaking to me about some amazing experiences, and he announced that he's actually coming from South Africa. All right. Didn't know anything about it. Never been there. And he started opening up an interesting story to me, 1989. And finally, he spoke about a very interesting and crazy guy, an amazing guy, to be honest. I said, what's his name? He said, Professor Fight." Never heard of it. Who is he? He's a scientist. Uh-huh. Okay. But he opened up his story and he, he told me all details. And you know who that guy was? The very carpenter. The very carpenter. Walter knows him very well. And you who have ever heard the life story of Walter knows about that person. I lived with him for four weeks. Didn't know anything about Professor Fight and his knowledge, and the tool he's going to become for the Lord. So I left, went up around Australia, loved the unbelievable landscape. There it was, the freedom to roam, and not only travel Australia, but go to many places around planet Earth, and really tried to see as much as I can. Well, that's me with a little bit longer hair, still the same beard, a little gray today, but I met all creatures out there hunting sharks here in the South Pacific. And there it was and thought, life is great. Absolutely wonderful. And that's the life I lived out there, trying to cover as much of planet Earth. But to be honest, I was not always in the church. And I wanted to do it my way. And on one of these trips to the South Pacific, I met two guys. And they said, hey, you want to come along, South Pacific? Where? I'm going to Canada, they said. Canada? So what are you doing there? Are we going to build a raft and we'll go on the Yukon River and we'll drive down on our own build raft 750 kilometers all the way to Alaska? I said, oh, wow, that sounds great. I'm a young boy. Freedom to roam. I said, I'm coming. I came to Vancouver. Didn't know anything about amazing discoveries. Nothing but they were there already. 
So I joined in the trip. We got up there, and it was a wonderful time building the raft, going down the river, and as we ended up somewhere down the road, we came to a place called Dawson City. And Dawson City, some of you, many know, and we stopped there, and the two boys, of course, they weren't Adventists, and they sometimes had their smoke. I accepted most of it, but then they said, well, we're going to stay here a little while, because there was a wigwam, I don't know, it's a tent, an Indian tent, and in the tent they saw, they met the other guys, girls. I said, hey guys, you want to move on, come on, let's go to Alaska. Wasn't that our goal? But they had other interests. I waited for three, four days. I thought that should be enough. Wasn't. The guys, I didn't know what happened. We split. They just stayed. I took my stuff. I went in a, on hitchhiking to Alaska. And there I was sitting in a four-wheel drive that picked me up. I was still young, unexperienced. And all of a sudden, I felt the hand of the driver on my leg. I said, boy, what is going on here? And I, I just instantly said, let me out here. Totally devastated. It was around 1.30 a.m. The sun doesn't set in June. And I was there saying, what, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And I was completely off. And, and all of a sudden, another car stopped with an Indian guy. And he said, where, where are you going, man? Because I was walking with my huge backpack and the camera equipment down the road. And he said, you want me to bring you somewhere? I said, I'd love to. Do you know the Adventist church in Juneau? He said, yes, I know it. I'll bring it there. So I got there very early in the morning. It was about 4.30 by the time I got there, and I was putting up my tent right here. I took that picture from Google today, and I put my tent right here under the trees. I hadn't had a picture, never photographed it. It was not worth it because I knew and didn't know I ever going to tell the story. So I put my hand up, and early in the morning, like 11 o'clock, I heard these church hymnal songs. I woke up, said, oh man, it's 11 o'clock. I walked in the church, trying to grab, and the door opened, and a hand came out, reaching out, good morning, brother. And there I said, oh, good morning. And I didn't have brushed my teeth yet. He looked at me, no worries. And he pushed me into the church, and he introduced me to everyone. I said, oh, well, I'm welcome, right? Yeah, okay, you got to speak now. And I said a few words, still unwashed. My breath, my, my breath was awesomely bad. I just said hello, and these guys invited me to stay for more than four weeks. I made some money, worked with these people, wonderful people, totally amazing it was the beginning of a relationship that I thought going to last forever. But then I did my own thing. Again, coming back to Germany, you know, you forget about all these experiences once in a while, don't you? How God led. It was such a wonderful time. And pieces were there, but I didn't know where, where, where really where to go to. And I was caught up again in business. Everything seemed to work perfectly. I was successful and it was amazing to earn money in Germany and being creative and working with huge companies. And life seemed to be perfect again. I had a dream. God had also a dream. I went wherever I wanted. Just traveled around the whole world while I did business. Went to wonderful places. This is Mallorca Island. Went there several times. Saw some of the culture of the places, everything. But in, within me, I was missing something. You know what it was? Australia. 
I was missing home. I, I wanted to return. I did successfully work for numerous big companies in Germany, made a lot of money. Didn't know what for, but it ran well. But I was missing home. So in 2005, I decided by that time I had a girlfriend that we should start traveling the world again. Not only the world, but surely Australia, because I wanted to present her the very country I love so much. I wanted her to see and get infected as I was, and I don't know what in the row what trip it was to Australia, but something big happened. We went to a camp meeting. We had beautiful plans. And I never met that guy. I saw him, other people presenting messages by the time 80 Germany got hold of him and I heard there's 80 Canada or international and he gave lectures all sorts of vegetarian and vegan foods oh no not for me I never knew how much impact the message of him could have I didn't know until 2005 and so I went to Australia with my girlfriend we traveled there and then some friends said you guys want to come along we've got a camp meeting in Queensland Oh, sounds great. Yeah, sure. It's an Advent camp meeting. It's called Big Camp. And we went. But I wasn't really sure whether I should stay the whole thing. They had powerful speakers there. Walter wasn't there. And I stayed for a few days. And then I said to my girlfriend, you know what? I've come here to photograph the country because actually I was preparing to really live in Australia. And at least I want to do a book of Australia. And it was a Thursday when I left her at the camp meeting, and I told her, let's meet on Sunday when the camp meeting is over, and I'll come back after the weekend to see you at my friend's place. Friday morning, I walked up with my camera on a beautiful location next to the shore, and it was a brand new, very expensive camera, like in Canadian dollars, about 7,500. And I had it on my shoulders, and I walked up there long before sunrise, and I heard that funny noise. And I turned around, it was the wrong direction, looked here, and the camera fell off the tripod, got disconnected and just fell and looked, and bang, it smashed next to the ocean. I was devastated. I thought, okay, it's a Japanese manufacturer, I don't want to call out his name. I went down there, picked up the camera, and it was pieces, all pieces. I not only had that camera, but it was my only digital camera. I had the big analog camera to take these panoramic shots. So I was forced to return to the camp meeting. Friday night, I stood there to her complete surprise. I said, what are you doing here? I said, well, <laughs> that and that happened. She said, oh boy, what do you want to do now? Well, I, I called the company and things will be all right. We'll get a replacement. So I said, oh, we may, we may as well join the Sabbath together. I said, we must. Sabbath night, after a beautiful day, the president of the union picked up a paper and he said, 3,000 people. We do not recommend, but we don't want to hold you back either. Walter Fight is in town. We looked at each other. We both knew the name. We prepared our trip across the Simpson Desert. Everything was set. And we looked at each other, not saying a single word, but agreeing we should go there. And we did. Next day we went. We went the day after. We met Sonica and Walter, barely talking to one another just knew that is the guy that Williams, the carpenter, has told me about so many years ago. And there he was speaking. 
great messages, creation, evolution, wonderful things. But I wasn't there yet, Sabbath, the last sermon. And he said something we all have heard before. If you have any talent, give it to the Lord. It touched me that day. It touched me so hard that I said, okay, what is it, Lord? And um, we just went on. We had to leave Australia after a few months because the six-month visa was over. And right after the meeting, when we continued, we said to those friends that I wanted to pick her up, they said, you know, guys, if you go travel, why don't you take the DVDs of that guy? I said, you have DVDs? Yeah, there's a series called Total Onslaught. Oh, really? <laughs> copy it. Sorry, AD, we copied it. All of them. And we took him along, and every night we watched one. Every night. And it hit us. I, I completely understood the plan of salvation. It doomed me what God really wants, but I, ha I wasn't quite there yet. <clears throat> and so we had to leave Australia after another few months traveling in, in, in Australia. And we went to New Zealand. And it was November 9 when I woke up, and there was this idea, this vision do a project to honor my name. All right? What is it, Lord? Do a project to honor my name. Well, I said to my wife, <clears throat> God wants me to do a project. What is it, a book of Australia? No, I don't think so. Is it a book about creation? You should think about that. And I said, no, it's, it's a movie about creation. But I wasn't sure how to get there because I have never filmed really. Only did photographs around the whole planet Earth. I thought, amazing, a movie about creation. That was the idea. Well, we said, you know, if we're going to get really serious, we have to marry. That's an application to young people. We traveled. I'm open. As a couple, almost as married, we were not for many months. And in 2007, I called Walter. And I said to him, Walter, this is Henry. Um, we, <laughs> we want to get married. Now imagine my situation. I was free. I never wanted to marry. But such a wife you should marry, shouldn't you? She's beautiful. And then God said, I'll put it for you. We wanted to go to the U.S. to get some kind of a pastor, just remotely small, nobody should know. But then she said, no, 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 we want to do it officially. Okay, we called Walter, and he said instantly, yes. Send me all the information you have about yourself, and he married us. And that was in 2007, at a very little tiny place in Bludenz, Germany. The day before, we had beautiful temperatures, about 31. And then we started traveling together to a place you could imagine back there, Scandinavia. No, it's not Canada. It looks pretty similar. But we went to Scandinavia. And it was wonderful to spend time there. We came back. It was 2008. The idea was still there to do the movie. And I was so successful, even after the trip, coming back from 
all these months of traveling in Australia and New Zealand. And while traveling there, I had all my pictures that I previously took in Australia, Australia, 10,000 pictures. I had all the pictures I did first time ever in Africa because when she left, I left Australia, went back to New Zealand and went to Africa and I stopped there in Namibia to spend time with my brother and my nephew, photographing the wildlife of Africa for a movie called The Creation. It was beautiful. You wouldn't believe the images that I shot. And I was there saying, God, you're providing wonderful. And 24 hours before sunset, before the departure, I took all the stuff and put it in my car. 56 DVDs packed with images. And we went to a shopping center to get biltong. You know biltong? Meat. It tasted beautifully those days. I wouldn't touch it today. But I ate it. And we were gone for about an hour and a half. And when I came back, the car radically was opened by thieves. And all my pictures are gone. All is gone. Thousands and thousands of shots. I said, Lord, is that your answer? Is that what you want? I had a dream. And so had God. I said, man, what am I going to do now? Because I don't have these pictures anymore. I wanted to do a creation movie. And I thought I can use the pictures for animation or whatever. But God had a different plan. So when I came back, God said to me, now the time has come, 2008. But I said, Lord, that product will never be finished if you don't take away my customers. And a voice said to me, pray about it. Pray about what? Some more time. Now you have to understand, I made around, which was a lot for a young person, more than 200,000 a year. That's a lot of money. I had responsibilities for people and for myself. And I was married and I had a wife. We didn't want and have children. She's a midwife. She delivers enough of them. But, you know, I said, should I? And I kneeled down and I prayed and said, Lord, if you really want that project to become reality, you have to take away all my customers. You know what happened? <laughs> Within six months, 25,000 people lost their jobs. All were gone. These were my customers. Huge companies, which I don't want to call the name now, but they all lost their jobs. What? What did I do? I really asked myself the question, is that possible? No sign whatsoever that these companies could get ruined. Not at all. I, I tell you the truth. They were all gone, wiped off the ground of business. And I was there, had saved so much money, and never asked for a single donation because the money was there. And I wanted to have an independent project. I don't want anyone to know what I was doing and only one to control what I was doing. That much, that much freedom. I have given up my life for a marriage. I added a lot. But at that project, nobody shall interfere. What a prayer it was. It was a request to God. And I found that pearl, really. You remember the biblical story? Sold everything he had. What a prayer it was. And I just couldn't believe it. God, you really answered that prayer. That is amazing. But then I was free to do the project. 
but I needed extra confirmation. And I went to Switzerland right after. And I, you shouldn't do things like that, but I said, Lord, I'm going to open up the Bible now, and then I'll put my finger on a page, wherever it is, and you speak to me. And I did. Just pointed to that text. Go now to your own people who were brought here as prisoners. Speak to them. Tell them, here is what the Lord and King says. Speak to them, whether they listen or not. Why was that important to me? You do not believe the rejection. Humbly rejection. Opposition. From the highest leader you imagine. There was a little guy, not known in church except for his trumpet playing and all that. And all of a sudden, you are confronted with the leaders because you're doing a creation project. What's the story? Why not? Isn't that the message we should share? Isn't that, and I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to proclaim to those that dwell on the earth. God, creator. That's the Advent message, isn't it? But the opposition was awesome. Just couldn't believe it. And slowly but surely I learned that it was connected to many things in my life and the person I dealt with and, of course, my own vision of doing something to help for the mission of the church. I'm not blaming anyone, but this was the situation. I had to learn and deal with it. And all of a sudden it became alive. 2010. It was 2009 in October... I called Sonica and Walter. It was October 3. And I said, Walter, the movie's about to be ready in a couple months. Would you come to be the key speaker? He said, yes, same thing as the wedding. He didn't wait for a second. I said, really? You want to be the key speaker? Yes, I'll come. And he came. The day after, an incident happened in the lives of Walter and Sonica fight where a destructive thing happens to Sonica the day after. It was a very difficult situation for the couple. Not knowing whether Walter can really leave three months later to come to Germany in January 2010 to participate in the tour, but the guys managed to do everything possible. And he came, and we did the project, and we went to eight different places, and we had more than 10,000 viewers Outstanding, never seen anywhere in Germany or any other place, especially in combination with that name. When the creation means die Schöpfung, which means created. There is an intelligent being behind all that. We're not talking about coincidence or anything like that. People still flocking in. We had presentations where the people, Walter can confirm, laying under the screen like that, looking up there because there was no space. We had a presentation in Austria where... The whole was booked for 700 people. About 15 minutes before the presentation started, the guy who runs the place came and said, we've got a problem. And I was facing the audience with my back, and I said, what is your problem? He said, we have no more space. Are you kidding? I turned around. It was packed. 733 people in there. I said, oh, what are we going to do? I have to lock the room. People are floating in. At 7 o'clock, they locked the room. There was one kilometer of traffic jam out there. People hitting, the smashing the, the screen, wanted to come in. And in the hall, we had 1,250 people. 700 plus seats. Oh, what is going on? I just couldn't believe it. 
and the creation became alive. We went touring around in January with Walter with numerous experiences, and then he left and he said, that's it. It's not going to be successful anymore. Having him as a key speaker, not as a key speaker, is going to create a problem. But we recorded him, and we announced it the very same style and went out, and 43,000 people came in fall. Walter wasn't there. I said, What's going on? And then the invitations came in from everywhere. And you see that hole? That's in the Netherlands. Can you imagine the Netherlands being a complete atheistic country? There is even among the church a doubt if there is a six-day creation whatsoever. And we had a beautiful tour there with many thousand people coming. And I returned back home. This was a year after, and I said, wow, God, you have blessed, and a phone call came in. And I said, Johan, my friend from the Netherlands, Johan de Boer, what do you want? He said, I, I want you to come back. There is a presentation of 1,500 people in a summer camp of an evangelical church. 1,500 people, you've got to be crazy. We can never fill that up in summer. He said, yes, yes, you should come. I, I can't. Yes, you must. You can do it yourself. You've got the screen, you've got the speakers, you've got everything. No, you must come. Now, this is our setup, as you see here. The technique and the huge screen, 10 meters in width, 5 meters high, 2 by 1 format. I went to the Netherlands again, and I said, Lord, can you ever fill that room in the summertime? God can. Packed. Unbelievable. The people flocked in. And then at the end of the presentation, the pastor went on stage, an evangelical guy, and he spoke, you guys have heard about the Sabbath? Have you heard that? If you have any questions, talk to me. I confirm. I said, wow, the Netherlands. How is that possible? Unbelievable. I was amazed of what's happening in Holland and in Italy and in many other places. It just went round like a wildfire. I could not believe and then a phone call came in. Someone from Sweden called me. And he said, Henry, could you come? We've got a five-year celebration. The key speaker will be Ted Wilson. Ted Wilson? Okay. When is that going to be? In January. Okay. Six months after his election. January 2011. I went back to Sweden. And during the time I was there with my wife... We had the dream in 2007 to buy a small Swedish home and we wanted to go there to do our summer holiday or whenever, if possible, a few more times a year. But the, expense, the, the, the movie was so expensive. I took all and everything I had gladly to push it into the project. No donations. I didn't want them. And everything was just constructed with my own money and nobody had any control but me. And then the phone call came in. I went, presented a movie in Sweden, Malmö, and it was a Friday night. And the next, it was Friday night. On Sunday morning, I took one of the copies of the movie, especially made for the president, just to hand it over and to tell him, uh, this is the movie, by the way. He sat on Friday night with his wife, Nancy, on the top row watching what we did. He didn't know we were going to present the movie. He turned around to me as I was about to give him the DVD and he said, why don't you take a room? What? A room. I want to meet you. I said, well, for a two minutes talk, why should we have a room? You go and get a room. I said, okay. I just spoke to my friends and they said, 
Wilson wants us to have a room. He came in, he closed the door, he kneeled down in prayer, and he opened up to me a concept that I could not believe. As, as, he, as the Holy Spirit prepared him to, to say what he did. And he said, I want this project to be a worldwide project, and it should come under the banner of Tell the World. And I could not believe the scale that is opening up to me. He said, a worldwide projection of the creation movie? How is that possible? How? I mean, it was done for my local church together with Walter, yes, to travel around with Amazing Discoveries Europe and to present it and to have other people understand about creation. But on a worldwide scale, I would never imagine that would happen. The phone rang. It was on my answering machine. I came home. Hi, Henry. Message. Some guys here will laugh now, especially the Brazilians. Hi, Henry. This is uh, Williams Costa, Jr., Communication Department of the General Conference. I want to speak to you. Call me back. Bang. That's as short as... I said, what? Call again. Listen again. Listen again. Listen again. I said, the General Conference called me. They want to they wanna talk to me about a movie? And he said, when I called him, where's your next presentation? I said, it's in Berlin. I'm coming. You are coming? All right. He came in. He saw the presentation and he was amazed. And he said, let's do it properly. And he organized an orchestra, professionals. And we went to Prague, beautiful city of musicians. And 120 musicians professionally never saw the script, put it up. The orchestrators did in a wonderful work and then start playing. The music that was created by a young Adventist, age 21, never whatsoever had any idea of what he was doing. He wasn't even agreeing to it because it was too big for him. I said, well, why don't you try? And he did, and now he's there, tears running down in the big hole of that auditorium. And when he sees 120 professionals playing his very music that he composed, can you imagine what's happening to him? What an experience it was. I said, Lord, what are you doing here? Where do you want that thing to go? And it went and went and went, and today we've got 30 languages. I cannot recall too many how many countries I have been. Millions of people have seen it. What a blessing it was. I thought, I, 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 cannot, I cannot understand. God, God, what you're up to. We went back to Sweden, my wife and me, and we said, after so many years, and I'm telling the rest of the story very quickly now, because the time is running. We went back to Sweden to do the 10th year of our honeymoon, 2017. The year we started producing the earth between light and darkness. Walter came in, flying in from Canada. We were in Sweden just shortly before, and we never thought about Sweden again. It was gone since Wilson was there. We didn't return at all. No time. We worked hard. My wife and me were mission leaders of our church in Germany, Marienberg. She was there for working for AD for eight years in Germany. And I was busy running around with the tour and presenting the creation to so many people. And then we had really a dream. I mean, it was summer just before our very wedding day on the 21st of June. And... A guy came, we knew, and he said, listen, 
you guys had a dream 10 years ago. Didn't you want to come to Sweden? And I said, yes, we wanted to come to Sweden. But it's over today. We've, we're so busy. No need. But in Iceland, the idea was captivating because we both understood that that might be God's plan. We didn't know yet, but when we left that guy and called him crazy because bringing up such an idea, we left for our actual honeymoon, and we did the same tour again as we did 10 years ago, and more and more we were thinking, of, oh, how would it be to go to Sweden, really? I, why not, really? I mean, I can work from anywhere in the world, but what, we got, what are we going to do there? Oh, I'm doing production, okay. And she said, yeah, I could work as a midwife. Yeah, true. And when we get home, we started reading the book from Alan White, and we realized <laughs> that is not an option. It's not an option to stay in the cities. It's not. You have to go to prepare. You have to go country. It's probably not for everyone, but we realized that's the calling for us. And we went and searched and everything, and we prayed like never before. I believe that were the earnest prayers I had since the creation project. And then God gave us this place. It's small, it's wonderful, it's in the middle of the forest. And here we are, focusing on mission. What are we up to? We wanted to reach the people. We wanted to go into the field of Sweden. I'm announcing that. Maybe someone from Sweden hears it. Hears it. No problem. That's our aim. We wanted to work closely together with Amazing Discovery to build up 80 Scandinavia. To work in Sweden, Iceland, Denmark, Finland, and Norway. To do whatever we can in our power to focus on mission and bring these people the truth. And while speaking here, possibly... One person is listening, which is Bengt Dalev in Sweden. He was searching the truth, but not really. He was searching for a certain answer of questions in his life. And he went on YouTube, searching, 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 as many over here like Malcolm does. But there was something in the sideline always kicking in. A guy from South Africa said, no, 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 rejecting no religion. No, but finally, he clicked on that video. Bang. He couldn't get enough. More and more and more and more. And today, he's baptized. Seventh-day Adventist. Strong believer. Doing health classes in Sweden. Totally convinced of the Advent message. Wonderful person and personality. A person I dearly work together with. And we've got great plans. But to be able to really accomplish in human thinking what we're planning, we have to do multiplication. We would love to have people like you coming and listening and being identifying with the message. It's not always the case in the churches, and I'm not complaining. We are all lukewarm in one or the other point. But how can we reach Sweden with 1,200 people in the church left at all? And a leadership that probably wants to do it right in their way, but I'm not complaining, but there is a hope and a proclamation of the three angels' message. If that's not going to be proclaimed, nothing's going to happen. True? It's lacking. I want to be part of the mission together with AD in Sweden. We are still in the process of building up the place 
changing the windows and, you know, furnishing, making nice. That building already is missing to the left. It's replaced with a carport. And here we are, and it's a dream. It's almost like here. I, I admire this place, really. So wonderfully quiet. I don't know who looked out the window this morning and saw the steam coming up from the lakes. Oh, it's so beautiful. We don't have a lake there, but we have forests, and the steam's coming up after rain in the evening. We've got a dirt track of one and a half kilometers, which is about one mile, going to the place. And it's a tough time in winter. We don't have a tractor yet. We're saving on it to get one, to clean up the road, to be able to go back to civilization. But it's going to be a beautiful time there once everything is solved. We are still in the process. But while doing that, I'm working at home, creating documentaries that I've shot with Walter, and it is a blessing to sit there. That's my office. See the four windows up there? That is my office. I'm looking out on the southern side. It's a little snow and ice on it, but that's fine. It's cold. Someone asked a question yesterday, who's heating with wood? We do. Lots. <laughs> and to chop wood and to make it right, it's heavy work, you know. I leave it to other people. Now I have to do it myself, but it's beautiful, really. It's so quiet and tranquil out there. And we love it, love to be there. That picture is just a few hours old. I've requested that from a few friends living with us at the moment from Switzerland, in the process to come to Sweden, feeling the call of God to go up there to support the work, to be part of a greater movement reaching out to the people what, what, what did Walter say? You remember? 86% of atheists in that country? He is very right. How can we reach them? Multiplication. And that caterpillar is currently doing something I was waiting for a long time. We moved there October last year. And we got the promise, the guys will come. In Sweden, everything takes a little longer. They're slow motion guys. But you see that green stuff? You know what that is? Fiber. Fiber. It's coming in these days. And there's only a few hundred meters away from our home. It'll be there by the time I'm returning back home on September 22nd. And then we have fiber, and we can start working and bring the message out. We do translations for AD. Bangt is so capable of translating all the products from AD into the Swedish language with subtitles. They are so capable over there speaking the English language that we still need the subtitles for the elderly generation. And that's what we're doing. Connect them with Jesus, doing courses. We have a church planted with about eight to ten people almost regularly coming. We have one further north that was planted recently by another group. Can you imagine within one year, two churches on the west coast of Sweden? About two and three and a half hours north of Gothenburg, where to us it was the closest church. Two hours? Not used to that, but over there you have to get used to it. But I hope there will be more in future. Now, for us, it is a dream to be out countryside, and we felt the call, and we still feel the confirmation of God wanting us to go there. And we want to thank you for supporting what we're doing there. And I had a twisted perspective. It was something that I had a dream, but God had a dream also. And looking back, in short, what God did in my life is outstanding. And just a few minutes ago, 
I received a message from Daniel Pell. He saw the presentation from yesterday, and he wished he'd be here. Many of you know him. And I'm connected with these people in Scandinavia now. And they'll come and we'll do productions. And the concept is already finished for them to be recorded with their talents for amazing discoveries. You all will see that in the near future and much, much more. I had a dream and God had a dream. Sometimes and many times in my life it was twisted, a twisted perspective. It was almost like a fight against darkness and light as we stayed in the, in the documentary, The Earth, that's coming out soon. Don't you have a twisted reality and perspective sometimes? Or is all clear in your life? If that's the case, I'm going to move to Canada <laughs> to be connected to you. It's true, we all have it. Anyhow, again, what I shared yesterday, when I discovered that for myself, the word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. That's what we want to do with amazing discoveries. I did not know in Australia when I stepped out that bus in Labrador, north of Brisbane, that I'm going to enter the Seventh-day Adventist church on a Sabbath day, meeting a family that told me about a man in South Africa who just got converted to the Advent faith. Little I know that one day God connects us and that he is the one chosen by God to speak that message on Sabbath morning. If you have a talent, give it to God. Time's running out, he said. And I've heard it before. But then it really touched me. And it still does today. And I'm thankful for everything that happened and being able to work with him, with A.D., and having the chance to use the talents God has given me to proclaim the three angels' message. God bless you. Amen. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit amazingdiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.